Will he be slow to answer them? Will not God secure the rights of his chosen ones who call, call out to him day and night? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In Jesus' time, there were also people crying out to the Lord, asking for help. Asking for help. His, the people of Israel, uh, in particular, I'm thinking of the the Anawim, they call them, the, the humble ones of Israel, the ones who were faithful to the, to the covenant, were crying out to the Lord. And their times weren't easy. Their times were not easy. Uh, and I'm going to give you guys a, a few facts about the history of Israel in the time of Jesus in the first century in Palestine. Uh, the people of Israel were unfaithful to the covenant and they were taken in exile to Babylon, right? In the sixth or fifth century before Christ. They were 50 years in Babylon before they returned uh, to Israel. Later, in the year 325, Alexander the Great conquered uh, the Persian Empire, defeated the Persians, and took over Palestine. And the, the Greek Empire, or the Hellenistic Empire, continued for hundreds of years. And the Book of Maccabees is towards the end, actually. Uh, and it's the story of how finally the Greeks wanted to impose their, their culture upon the Israelites and wanted them to leave totally uh, the covenant and the law. And the, the Maccabees fight against the, against, the, against the Greeks, against this Hellenistic uh, imposition. And in the year 63, the Romans take over. The Israelites are just going from one defeat to the other. And they can't lift up their head, you could say, from this situation. The Romans take over Palestine. Pompeo uh, comes and conquers mm, Palestine. And uh, in this time, or before this, in Israel, uh, it's developed, or the three parties, the three main parties in Israel developed, the three main religious parties, which should, should sound familiar, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and uh, the Essenes. Uh, and they all have to do actually with, basically from the time of the Maccabees, uh, there's different mm, opinions about how the Israelites should be faithful to the covenant, and there's different groups begin to form. And all these, these three groups were all present in the time of Jesus. And also in the time of Jesus, Herod becomes king of uh, the Jews. Even though he's not a Jew. Herod was actually an Arab uh, who was a clever clever guy politically. And he would, was able to get into favor with the Romans. They favored him as king. He took over Jerusalem. 
and he became the king of the Jews. That's why the Jews actually, they never really liked Herod or his sons as their king, but they couldn't really get rid of him either because the Romans were in favor of this king. Now in the time of Jesus, we have the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes. The Sadducees, what did the Sadducees believe? The Sadducees actually, they were uh, the party that was maybe more allied with the Romans, uh, with the Romans and with Herod. And they actually believed in an indeterminism, that man is the cause of his own destiny. There is no resurrection. All right, the Pharisees. Uh, why am I telling you guys these things? I'm trying to make a little bit of like the picture of what was going on in Palestine in the time of Jesus. The Pharisees, what did they believe in? And these parties were obviously fighting between each other. The Pharisees, they believed in a synergism between God and man. God and man must cooperate. There is a resurrection of the just, and they believe in scripture and tradition. The Sadducees only believed in scripture, and they basically rejected any kind of tradition. And then you have the Essenes. And the Essenes were basically had separated themselves from uh, the majority of Israel and finally settled in Qumran. They believed in a determinism where everything is determined by God, basically denying free will. Everything is determined by God, and the soul is immortal, uh, and they have their own secret literature, their own inspired literature. Uh, and what else was going on here in, in Palestine? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He has to go to Egypt because Herod seeks to kill uh, the child Jesus. And they're there for about five years until Herod the Great dies and they're able to come back to, to Palestine. And they finally settle in Nazareth. Nazareth is in Galilee. And Galilee and Judah and mm, yeah, Galilee and Judah don't like each other. The Galileans, the Ju Judeans don't like the Galileans. And there's a, there's a conflict between the two. And Jesus actually lives there, lives in Galilee. The Judeans are more the, the more pure, the more faithful Jews in a certain sense. Uh, in Galilee, there's more of an influence of Hellenism and the Greeks. And I'm gonna give you a few facts. If you guys have a map in your Bible, maybe you can look at that real quick. You have to look for the map that says, that shows Palestine in the first century. Now find Nazareth, which is in the north, in Galilee. And if you look around, hopefully in your map, I don't know if all these cities will show up in your map, but, uh, Sepharis, Sepharis 
is a city really close to Nazareth. Sepphoris was a Greek city, a Hellenistic city, which was constructed in the Roman Hellenistic way. And it had pagan temples, pagan temples. Uh, Caesarea of, mm, I remember the whole name in English. It was on the sea. If you look over to, if you go by over by the coast, you see Caesarea. Caesarea was another Hellenistic city. Dora, a little bit more to the north, another Hellenistic city. Ptolemaida, or Maida, another Hellenistic city. In Dora, Ptolemaida, uh, in other cities in the area, there was a temple to Zeus. All over the place, there were Hellenistic cities. In the, the Strip of Gaza, almost all those cities were Hellenistic. Basically, the Greeks had... Uh, they had conquered all of Palestine, and little by little, they had moved in. And they had built new cities. They built their own cities. If you look, if you go over to the Decapolis, the Decapolis uh, should sound familiar from the gospel. The Decapolis was a sort of mm, alliance of ten cities, of ten Greek cities. Also, all Hellenistic. They all had... Uh, Roman baths, they were constructed in a, in a Roman way. They had theaters. Uh, and this was, this was the situation, or I hope you guys are understanding a little bit, the situation in which Jesus lived. It was not the idealistic, uh, you know, perfect little Jewish world that maybe we think of when we think of the life of Jesus. In fact, it was really complicated. It was really complicated. Kind of like our life is a little bit complicated. The world is a little bit complicated. And what did Jesus do? What did Mary do? What did the Holy Family do? Did they freak out? Freak out! This is way too complicated. I don't know what to do with all this. No. They obviously didn't freak out. Jesus didn't freak out. Mary didn't freak out. St. <laughs> Joseph didn't freak out. What did they do in this situation? There's all kinds of pagans all around them. They even have to, Jesus probably went to work in Sepphoris. That's probably where he did a lot of his work, actually. He was working in a pagan city. Uh, he probably didn't help build pagan temples, but he probably built lots of houses and different things in Sepphoris. Mm. How did they live in this situation? And it's a lesson for us. How are we supposed to live in our times, which also has its complication, right? has its confusion, has its confusion, unfortunately. Like we said, first rule, don't freak out. Don't freak out, all right? <laughs> Try and keep calm. And go to the sure foundation. Go to where you know uh, this is reliable. The, the Holy Family, what did they do? They stayed faithful to the scriptures, to the covenant that they had received, to the good practices of the Jews, uh, to their worship, to their liturgy. Uh, 
each day? How did they live each day, the Holy Family? How did they pray? How did they get up in the morning? How did they thank God for the day? How did they set out to do their work? How did they interact between each other? All of this is, is a meditation for us of how we should live too, how Christians should live uh, their everyday life and how we should be living in what may be a, a complicated situation, but how we should live with a, with a calm, with a, what's the word? With a sureness like the Holy Family, with a confidence like the Holy Family. They didn't freak out. Don't freak out, right? It's, things are kind of, seems like things are unraveling. Even within the church, it seems like things are unraveling. There's confusion. Uh, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because there's a lack of clarity in certain issues. Uh, and people are doing different things. There's different practices taking, on, uh, taking place in the church. Mm. What are we supposed to do? <coughs> Freak out. No. Freak out is not the answer. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go to what is sure. Go to what is a firm foundation, what's reliable. Go to the catechism. Go to the catechism. Go to what uh, the saints teach us, how to live a holy life. And so many modern saints, St. John Paul II, St. Mother Teresa, St. Jose Maria Escriva, all these great saints that teach us the way of sainting. And they teach us how to live a religious life, how to live a life faithful to the Lord. That is the sure foundation. And that's where we need to go uh, to receive the inspiration, the guidance that we need. We have to watch out for uh, complicated, roundabout, uh, subtle arguments that only make the situation worse. They only make the situation worse. We need to be rooted, rooted in our faith, love, loving the church, knowing that in the church, even though it suffers, and it's also experiencing part of the confusion just of our times, uh, that the truth suffers, but it doesn't perish. And the church has Christ's promise that it will not perish, that the gates of hell will not, uh, not overcome it. The, your life, the life of the lady, is supposed to, mm, we religious, right? We, we have an hour of adoration every day. Mm, we pray the liturgy of the hours, the full liturgy of the hours. We have an intense life of prayer. And the laity, lots of times you're not able to live that same mm, life of prayer that we are. But your life should be similar. It should be similar. It shouldn't be totally different. The the religious, yeah, they you know they need to be really pious, you know, praying hours before the 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 tabernacle, praying the rosary. And the lady, what do they do? They just sit on the couch, you know, and you know, just passing, getting bored, passing the channels. They don't know what to do with their with their lives. No, 
the laity, your life should be similar to our life. It's not the same, but it should be similar. And that means every day having a time of prayer. That means every day living, trying to live your life in an ordered way, offering what you do to the Lord, looking for the Lord during your day, being open to what the Lord asks of you. Maybe he wants you to collaborate with him in some kind of apostolate. Maybe not. It's not that every lady, and it's not that everybody has to, you know, be some kind of catechist. No, it's not necessarily that. But you have to be open to what the Lord is asking of you. Uh, in the austerity of your life, right? The religious would wear the habit. Uh, we have, like the Servant Brothers, we have two cassocks usually. You know, we don't really have, you know, no, they're not different colors. So it's pretty simple for us to get dressed. <laughs> uh, the laity, obviously you're not going to wear only black. All right, you're not called to do that. But you can avoid excessive luxury. Uh, you can avoid weird fashions. There's lots of weird fashions are out there, and they're changing all the time. You can hardly keep up with them. If you once you get the mohawk, you're supposed to get like a the iguana on your head. You know, in, in Ecuador they got the kids got the iguana on their head. It was an iguana just like holding on to their head. You don't have to do that. You don't have to follow those fashions. The Christian should have another sense of what clothing is about, what their whole life is about. My life isn't about the latest fashion, the latest fad. No, my life is, I'm supposed to be rooted in the Lord, rooted in his call to holiness, his call to charity, the call to unite my life to the glorification of God in the Eucharist, and that perfect glorification, that per perfect thanksgiving of God in the Eucharist. All those things are what the laity, too, are called to. It's that common priesthood of the, all Christians, of the laity that we were talking about today. Mm. So first, first rule, don't freak out. Second rule, find the firm foundation. Go to what's, what's sure, what's reliable. Don't get confused and all wrapped up in complicated doctrines. That's even in the, I don't have the Bible now, but St. Peter talks about that in his letter, the letter of St. Peter. He talks about people who will come up with all kinds of complicated doctrines that don't really deepen our understanding, but they just cause more confusion. Uh, that's not what you're supposed to follow. Or confusion and in, in, in ambiguity, that's not what you're supposed to follow. Follow what is sure, the sure foundation. And live a life united to the Lord. Like Our Lady, like our Lord, like the Holy Family. They lived in a complicated situation. Uh, but they were able to be holy in it. You too live in difficult, we live in difficult times, you could say. Troubled times. But you can be holy in these times. If you're faithful to, to your prayer, if you're faithful to what you know the Lord is asking you, 
There's so many simple things that you know the Lord is asking. Be faithful to that. Be faithful. Uh, be one of those, those humble, the small, faithful ones of the Lord. And open yourself up too to what he's asking you, how he's asking you to collaborate in the renovation of his church, which above all comes through your sanctity. And this is something that the Holy Family did. Jesus Christ, in this complicated time, it was also the fullness of time. And he was being prepared through his whole hidden life to finally uh, come out and to preach, to, to realize our redemption. And in our lives too, even though lots of times it's hidden, the Lord has a plan of salvation. We ask our Lord and Our Lady to help us to be united to them, to stay on the firm foundation, to live mm, a life which is religious, like theirs. And in the scriptures it says, he who wants to, he who wishes to live religiously will be persecuted. Don't be surprised that living religiously brings you some kind of difficulty with other people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And take, do what you know the Lord is asking you. Take that next step. Let the Lord guide you. And the Lord has a plan of salvation, uh, even in our compli complicated times in your life. We pray to our Lord and our Lady to help us, and we unite ourselves in a special way to the Eucharist today, asking for his strength, for his grace. Amen.